You are listening to www.infinitesmile.org. Enjoy these uninspired talks given by Michael McAllister, followed up by question and answer exchanges with groups of his students. There was a Dzogchen master, Tilopa, who said, you are not bound by what you experience, but by your clinging to it. So cut through your clinging. That's it in a nutshell. You are not bound by your experience, but by your clinging to it. So cut through your clinging. If you're clinging to irreverence, you're in delusion. If you're clinging to reverence, you're in delusion. If you're clinging to things should be a certain way, you're in delusion. If you're clinging to no one can tell me what to do, there should be no rules, that's delusion. So finding our way in between these two forms of clinging is our work. We cut through, essentially, our clinging when we stop letting things push and pull us. That's when we cut through our clinging. When things neither push nor pull us. We don't want more of something and we don't want less of something else. When we don't feel that greed or aversion towards any particular thing. Now the definition that we tend to use in this teaching shows us that things can be as simple and as concrete as objects. I want a new car, let's say, okay? Or I don't want the car I have because I've seen that guy's car and it looks better. Boom. Comparing mind, bound, thought, this or that, not non-dual openness, but this or that, density, 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 contraction, 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 delusion. So a thing can be an object. A thing can also, just as I give the example of a, a new car that we might want or a new house that we might want, it can also be something we want to avoid, an object that we want to stay away from. Oh, that's a religious icon that symbolizes something that I don't believe in. Okay? That's delusion. Because it's contracted, it's defended, 
It's egoic. Ego must defend. It must have something in opposition to its energy polarity or it cannot exist. We cut through our clinging when we stop letting things push and pull us. In addition to objects, we have sensations. What sensations pull you? Ugh, I want more of that. Or I want less of that. The minute we start going after more of a certain feeling, we go into, or at least we set ourselves up for, escaping from what is. We grasp for something to pull us out of where we are. This is the birth of addiction. Ah, give me more of that. We can also go the other direction and avoid sensations. And when we avoid a sensation with a deep resistance, almost a four-wheel drive in reverse, a backpedaling with tremendous energy, that backpedaling, that pulling away from what is showing up in this, this experience becomes pain. Pain is intensity that we're trying to get away from. That's all it is. We cut through our clinging when we stop letting things push and pull us, like emotions. Does your emotional life whip you around? Do you find that in some strange capacity there is a brittleness to the way you experience your day to day? Can little things send you? Our emotions are a very interesting construction, a very interesting type of thing because it's mind-related. Just like sensations are mind-related. A sensation is filtered through the mind and then labeled. That's pain. No, oh, that's pleasure. With emotion, it's where the mind meets the body. Where the activity of our mind actually meets our body. If you are feeling darkness or melancholy, it's where the darkness of attachments that we have in our mind to thoughts meet our body and our body it almost feels heavy happiness it's where our mind meets our body and there's a lightness to it 
But if we cling to our happiness, we defile it. If we cling to our darkness, we can't let it inform our awakening. Can we just meet whatever our emotion happens to be? Can we meet whatever sensation happens to be there? Can we meet whatever object happens to be there? And can we just appreciate them for what they are as they are? We cut through our clinging when we stop letting things push and pull us. Every single one of these examples I've given is really a form of thought. The chair arises in our mind and we give it meaning. The sensation arises in our mind and we give it meaning. It's a thought. The emotion is where what is arising in our mind filters into our body and we give it meaning. Thoughts themselves are things. Convictions, ideas, opinions, those are all things. All things, all things, if they push and pull us, we see clinging. We experience clinging. This is delusion. This is how we are trapped. So cut through your clinging? Sure. <laughs> Cake, right? Seeing things for what they are can really help. And I kind of hammer this home a lot. Um, so I'll continue to hammer. Uh, things, all things, whether they are objects, sensations, emotions, or thoughts, all things have three really distinct qualities to them. Number one, they are all temporary. They're all temporary. Whatever the object is, the universe has a really, really miraculous way of giving birth to it and then taking it away. It is born and it dies. All things, all things come from the universe and die back to the universe. All sensations of the body are temporary. There is not one sensation that will stick with you forever. There is not one emotion that will stick with you forever. And there is not one thought that will stick with you forever or that you will be able to manage into a place of permanence because all things are temporary. All things evolve. An evolution 
is simply rebirth and redeath all the time. Things arise, things fall. Things arise, things fall. Things arise, things fall. In addition to being temporary, all things have another quality, and that is that they are interdependent. They depend on all other things. My very life depends on the kindness of strangers and their safe driving, ha driving habits. I depend on all of you for my very life. Any one of you at this moment could get up and decide to smash me in the face or something and so then I die. I depend on your kindness. You depend on everybody else's. Your cup of tea in the morning, it may just be tea from a contracted view, but from an expansive view, it is the entire universe. Can you taste all the things that went in to creating that cup of tea? Not just your work, but the people that picked the leaves, the elephants that dragged it out of the hills, the sunshine that helped it grow, the rain. Can you taste all that? Everything is interdependent. Nothing can exist in isolation. Ego would love to think that it can exist in isolation, but once again, ego needs opposition in order to function. Ego is dependent on things to survive. Ego is a thing. The last quality of things, we've got our, it's temporal, it's time bound. It's also interdependent. All things are interdependent. And lastly, all things are divine manifestations of emptiness. All things are the radiant swirl of subatomic dance. Period. <laughs> All things are spirit. There's nothing that is not spirit. even ego. The very thing that generates the veils, that itself is a veil, covering spirit. Even ego is a divine manifestation of the infinite. Even war is a divine manifestation of the infinite. All things that are wonderful, all things that are horrible, all things that are things, all things, all things, all things, no matter what they are, 
are empty at their core, and as such, all things give us an invitation to awaken, no matter how horrible or how marvelous they might appear to be. All things give us an opportunity to see with our ears and hear with our eyes. All things give us an opportunity to open to the vastness of spirit. We begin to source ourselves from stillness. All of our movement comes from stillness. So recognizing this helps us see the folly of a continual chase. For us to continually run after things. I want more of this and more of this and more of this and more. We recognize I'm going to die soon. I'm a thing. This body is a thing. I better really reevaluate what it is that I'm chasing and what this I is that's doing the chasing. Because this doesn't seem to be supporting awakening as much as it seems to be contributing to blindness to a desensitization, to a numbness, to an indifference. So we take a break. When we take a break, it resensitizes us to the openness that actually dissolves our impulse to cling. So recognizing this offers each of us wisdom. Acting from this type of seeing offers everyone compassion. And the effect of this action is a reality, is a gift. sourced from loving-kindness. And it never, ever moves. Given the three qualities of, of things, 
does that not also sort of imply that things don't in fact exist, that that's a product of mind, that because they're constantly moving, that it is ego itself, that that veil is produced because we want or we see things as things when in fact it's sort of thingness that's actually there, that they're not at all things, that although they're, because they're interdependent and because they're impermanent and empty, that in fact they're not really there, that it's just a constant flow and we attach when we produce a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Everything is a constant flow. Right. Everything that becomes really totally associated as a as a construct of mind, all things really are constructs of mind, right. are attempts to block the flow. Right. Okay? And when the flow continues to realize itself as it does, because flow the job of flow is to flow. Right. right. As it continues to flow, the thing of ego starts getting frustrated. Indeed. And the way it compensates for that frustration is to reconfigure, retool, and all these things are just rethink, rethink and rethink yeah. the thing that is getting. It's a new thing. Flowed. Right. <laughs> stop it from flowing yeah. and create a thing. And we call this attachment. The thingness of things, Chris. The thingness of things is always already here. Right. It is the only thing that is always, always here. already here where nothing ever happened. Right. Nothing will ever happen in the thingness of things. Another way of saying this, awareness. Awareness. Your awareness has never changed. It just is. It just is. And it's identical to mine and everybody else's. And every bit of mitosis, every bit of evolution, <laughs> it's just being. So just rest there. I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> oh. So change is an illusion also because it's a something about what you just said about flow and flow is constant but so when we're looking at change it's ego saying <gasps> change mm -hmm. i have to adapt to it or well another way we could say this and i don't i don't know if this relates specifically to what you're asking but change is all there is right so when so when it's that, uh, that's sort of what I'm thinking, that it's ego that notices change as a thing. And begins to panic. Or enjoy it. Or enjoy or whatever it. Whatever it is. But, but then it changes another way. In other words, I guess 
it will always come down to panic eventually because the joy evolves the happiness evolves itself away also right. it's change right. so everything is everything becomes temporary and this practice uh, more than anything else I think at least in the initial stages instead of having the deep you know peaks and troughs of experience it tends to settle them down a little bit. And then, oddly enough, it's like that, that baseline of joy begins to increase so that the steadiness begins to, to operate at a, not only a different frequency, but also at a different level. Once change is recognized as you know, a fundamental reality, and I don't mean recognize like, oh, sure, I can intellectually understand that. Right. No, it's more jumping, flowing, being mm. more at ease with this, the flow or something. Right, right. But does that change the speed or the perception of the speed of change? Does what change the speed being of change? Being in the flow more, in the river, kind of. Yes. Because... If you are in the change, you can't and really, really mindfully in the change, the flow actually sees itself within the thing we call you. And once this happens, there is only the present moment. Only this very present moment what's underneath that change starts to reveal itself. And that's the changelessness, the mm. stillness of spirit. Mm. There's no change there because it doesn't move. It's the source of that flow. It's not separate from that flow, but it's not trapped by that flow. It's the river and the bank and the sky, and the sun, moon, stars, and smiles. It's at the core of all of that. Okay. <laughs> you know, I'm, I get, I'm getting all these images, but one of them is, is like, um, like an entrance ramp to the freeway, you know, that which is sort of it, what it feels like where I am, I guess, that, you know, I haven't quite sped up yet to, yeah. things are really going fast and I'm uh. not quite there, but, but it just occurred to me that that sense of speed might have something to do with the shift of awareness. I'll, let, me, let me try to say it another way and see if this makes sense. Okay. Speed is only relational. It's relative, right? Mm -hmm. And the thing that's gonna govern that speed is ego. Your relationship to flow is gonna be governed by ego. It's what's gonna, it's what's gonna put brake pressure on or, or right? Right. Um, so if ego's letting go, does that mean things speed up or go, or 
No, because you're saying speed it's is re relative. Then. It is totally relative. Yeah. Everything becomes totally still once ego gives up. Totally still. There's no speed. I love oh. your face. I'm just telling you, I just love your face. <laughs> All right. Can I be really clear on this, though? It's not about denying anything either. Okay? It's not about, it's not about running faster or running slower. It's about centering. And that centering doesn't come from um, clinging. It comes from releasing. And that releasing occurs time and time again, continually, only in the present moment, as we watch from that perspective. The perspective of openness, the perspective of now, the perspective of the witnessing awareness. That's what undoes all the bondage we get you know, when we are addicted to things. We see the emptiness. Not only out there, but in here. It's all one. And there's... <laughs> what moves there? Things move. So your relationship to that freeway, your relationship to that on-ramp, your relationship to the vehicle that is getting on the on-ramp can always be awakened. It's your relationship to the freeway, not the freeway that's the problem. It's the clinging or avoiding. That's, that's where the practice can show up. What were you saying before, something about panic? <laughs> about <laughs> boy let's see <laughs> I don't remember Mark uh, I think it was I think oh, change. Cha oh yeah change the continual flow of change which is reality uh, is what creates an oppositional force into which ego gets sucked, okay? And in that opposition, when it recognizes that, oh my God, I cannot hang on to this, it's still flowing, it's still changing, it will always end up going towards panic at some point in time. Spiritual practice orchestrates that panic. Spiritual practice orchestrates carefully, methodically, ritualistically, that panic, okay? And when you have a group and you have a teaching and you have a teacher, it creates a pressure cooker so that the panic can happen. But instead of letting the panic create contraction, we go through the panic mindfully with total awareness and it carries us on the other side. Panic itself is always, only, forever bound by mind. Panic is a thing. 
So being able to see the emptiness of panic in a spiritual practice carries us right on the other side of it. And there develops this equanimity, this equanimity, equanimity, however you want to say it. It starts to settle us in the face of anything. There is only peace that then gets modified when ego starts developing a relationship to it that's about clinging. So then really, if you're maybe avoiding your practice, you know, avoiding meditation, avoiding coming to meditation class, it actually might be the best thing for you to put yourself in this pressure cooker to get beyond that. I would humbly say in every case. It's almost like the thing you're avoiding the most is what you need. The thing you're avoiding the most is the greatest teacher. It's absolutely right. Absolutely right.